GM, GM, welcome to another episode of Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that friend tech is going to change the world. That's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. Friend tech, that's what we're going to be talking about today, of course. I want to say it's big news. Uh, it's not really that big news, but we'll explain what's happening. We put in a newsletter on it too, but it's the talk of the town right now. Then there's also Base, of course, continuing to be the talk of the town, launching an NFT with Coca-Cola and just lots happening there. A Bitcoin ETF is approved, not in the US though, unfortunately. It's in Europe and it's now gone live. And we'll talk about everything going on in the US in terms of Bitcoin ETFs, Ether ETFs. We'll give you the news there. PayPal and Ledger have teamed up cool partnership going on there and so so much more it's gonna be a good show today stoked let's get it but before we do let's take a deep breath take a moment to practice gratitude something we love to do kai what are you grateful for today i am grateful for our team at web3 academy and impact three other company we've been through a lot building a lot the last few months these courses in particular that we've launched the investing course, as well as a, a, a revamp of the rabbit hole course, which we'll be announcing soon. That takes a lot of work, so much work, plus consistently creating content on the podcast and the newsletter and everything else. But to do a course is on the side of that is so much creating the content, creating the slides, filming it all, getting all the technical stuff figured out, launching it, blah, blah, blah. The launch was great. We had a bunch of people buy, a bunch of people that are loving it so far, a lot of great feedback. So it just was a, a great success. And, um, you know, really excited to continue to build that. We've got more ideas, more modules are going to build out, more lessons. So one, thanks to all the those who purchased and are now taking the course. Excited for you guys. And uh, and thanks to, to our team for just helping us get through this. I feel like a lot of weight has been removed off my shoulders this week after finally getting this thing out there. So very, very grateful for the team and uh, excited to see what else we can build. Grinding, grinding. Love it. What about you, Jay? What are you grateful for? I am grateful for health, although... I don't necessarily have it quite yet. I have had a uh, a scary and tumultuous week. My 10-week-old son had a fever on Sunday, so we took him to the hospital because when an infant has a fever, you have to take them to the hospital. We called our doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, go to the hospital. And it turned into a 48-hour hospital experience that was just all, you know, very stressful. Very grateful for healthcare in Canada and grateful that we are no longer in the hospital. We're back at home now. Jack is on the mend, although very congested still, which is so sad when a little one is congested because they can't blow their nose. And so they just struggle to breathe. Poor little guy was struggling last night, but he's definitely on the mend. He's definitely getting better. And I am slowly feeling better as well. We all got COVID. That's what happened. Went to a, a wedding and I think we got it there. So grateful to be on the mend and to moving towards better health because, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a week. We hope you guys get better. Your voice sounds, ooh, I was going to say better from yesterday when we recorded, but maybe not. <laughs> I feel like for the podcast, my voice is, I wish my voice was always like this. The yeah, baritone, exactly. the baritone voice is, uh, is a great one for, <laughs> for podcasting. That's for sure. All right. So should we move into our market watch, I guess, is next up on the list, right? Okay, let's do it. So we'll, we'll keep this one, I guess, somewhat short, but I've got a couple charts to show for those that are watching on YouTube. If you're not, I'll try to explain them to you for those listening on the podcast. We are in a bit of a dip today. So if you woke up today, you'd see where I think ETH is below 1800. 
Bitcoin is, I don't know, 2,500, something like that. The big thing here is patience, right? We've been talking about, okay, early stages of the bull cycle. That doesn't mean it's up only. It's going to go up and down. It's going to be sideways for a while. These are long bull runs, right? They take a while. And so I think the big thing that I just want to stress to everyone is just patience right now. Oftentimes in summers, you have a lull in markets and we'll talk about in the next slide. But on the picture we have up here, this is just looking at the, the cycles of, of crypto where they're basically every four years and they look, I mean, history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. And in this instance, you can see these cycles that I talk about basically every week from 2011, 2013, 2014, 2017, 2018, 2021, 22, 2025. And they all look fairly the same. And there's like the bear, the pre-bull, the first bull, the second bull. We're in pre-bull right now. In 2024, we'll be in the, the first stage of the bull. But it's just interesting to kind of like, when you're in a dip, people always get scared and we're like, should I sell out? Is this industry done? Like whatever. And those times you just got to zoom out. And zooming out, looking at a picture like this, you're like, oh, I see what's coming over the next few years. And it just gives you a different perspective. So if you're listening to the podcast, check this out. It's a great, I think, perspective just to see where things are heading. And they look green and good in the coming years. And the 2023 is just a bit of chop, likely to go up, but who knows. But for now, it's just, these are just dips. Don't worry about them. It's not a big deal. The next one is looking at these summer lulls. So in August, September, this is a time when a lot of finance people take time off. They go to their house in the Hamptons or they go, you know, if you're in Canada, you go to Muskoka, you go on your yacht. And they don't do a whole lot. There's not a lot of money being traded at these times. And so markets are just sort of stagnant. And so there's not a lot of volatility and or they often just kind of bleed out because there's not a lot of people buying, putting money in. They're waiting until everyone comes back. The kids go back to school in September and, uh, and they get back to work, go full force. And that's when things really heat up. Like usually October, November, December, are just crazy in markets. And so if you look again at the historic numbers, that's what we have up here, this sort of chart here of Bitcoin you always have this dip in August and September. It looks literally the same every single cycle, every four years, same thing happens. So this is just, this is to par, right? This is just normal. If you know what's going on, if you've been in other cycles, if you zoom out, this is not a big deal. And so I wouldn't be too scared. If we go to the last one, Jay, this is actually a chart of the pricing or a table of the price increases of Bitcoin every single month. You can click on the image if it'll load for you. And it just shows the historics of every month. Is it green or is it red? And basically pretty much every single year in Bitcoin's existence, except for 2015, 2016, September is a down month. So that's just something to expect for the next month. Doesn't mean that it goes down crazy. These are mainly, it's almost 7% every month, which is kind of weird. And so it averages around 7% down, which is just a great buying option because if you look, October is up 30, you know, you got like 14, 47, 10, 27, 39, 60, 33%. Like October is usually a big month. And then as long as you're in a bull run, it's almost greens the whole way through November, December. And then like, obviously there's up and downs throughout the cycles, but you're pretty much you know, a lot of green coming for the for the next few months, unless you're in the bear, which we just did back in 2022. So if you, again, if you zoom out, you look at these charts, kind of just know what to expect. You just got to be patient to use these opportunities to buy. And don't, a lot of people get kind of like in these points where, when there's not a lot happening, and especially when it's not going up, crawling upwards, it's crawling downwards. People get, this is when they leave and they stop learning and they stop trying to figure things out. And it's like, you know, this is the best time. This is your opportunity to buy the low cap gems, your altcoins that you think are going to do really well in this cycle to be dollar cost averaging. This is the, the moment. Don't get scared here. So I was sharing these charts in our Discord this morning and I wanted to, to our pro members and I wanted to, uh, wanted to share this to everyone else as well. This seems great to me. It's so funny how like, and you're so right, this people get scared. We're in the fear market right now. 
That's what yeah. bear market is. Sentiment is low. And so it doesn't take much, you know, a little dip and all of a sudden people are more scared, right? It doesn't take yeah. much to push people's fear over the edge. Buy the fear, folks. Buy the fear. This is the time. These transition periods are always weird, right? It's like, are we in the bull? Are we in the bear? And it's people get a little bit confused during these. And again, that's why you just you zoom out, look at the, the past cycles, and it's it's pretty straightforward. It's it's crazy how much the same thing happens every four years. It's actually weird. Like it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense at the same time. <laughs> and and I gotta say, if you're thinking about allocating capital right now, if you're trying to figure out where to put your money, how to invest in crypto. Whether you're an experienced investor or a new investor, you should go grab our new investment course that Kai spoke about at the beginning of the show. It is awesome. We already had over 50 people sign up for it, and you're going to learn so much that's going to help you take advantage of the opportunity right now, which as Kyle said, through August and September, there's a big time opportunity. So don't miss out. All right, guys. Well, let's get into all the news that's going on because there's a lot happening, some good stuff. Uh, but before we do that, let's take a quick second to hear from our sponsor. Modern newsletters are built on Paragraph. That's right. Paragraph is a brand new newsletter platform that combines the best parts of Web 2 and Web 3 to supercharge newsletters for both writers and readers. Build a community, not just an audience. Paragraph uses blockchain tech to allow readers to collect and own the words that matter to them. This takes reading a newsletter to the next level. With Paragraph, readers can mint, collect, and show off quotes from their favorite newsletters. This opens new possibilities like creators sharing revenue with fans. I also love their new feature, Paragraph AI. This integrates GPT-4 natively in Paragraph to create, edit, and improve your writing effortlessly with one click. And guess what? We at Web3 Academy are on board and have already moved our content over to Paragraph. We believe this is the future of newsletters because of the profound engagement it creates between creators and fans. So whether you're a creator, writer, or an avid reader, it's time to check out Paragraph and capitalize on the opportunity of being early. Paragraph's pretty dope, eh? Yeah, I was just going to say, I wanted to plug the sponsor <laughs> again there because I feel so good about them. Yeah, it is sick. Colin is the uh, the founder of Paragraph. He's doing just an incredible job. And uh, that's one of the platforms in Web3 that I'm just so bullish on. By the way, for those listening, if you run an app, if you have anything going on in the Web3 space and you want to get your brand, your product, your business in front of tens of thousands of Web3 enthusiasts, then apply to sponsor with Web3 Academy. Now we're very diligent about who we allow to sponsor with us. We want to use your products. We want to love your products before we'll put you on our podcast, put you in our newsletter, et cetera. If you feel you got something cool that we need to get out to our audience, then uh, there's, a, there's a link below in the show notes. Just click on that and you can fill out the form and, uh, and we'll get, get in touch and see if we can get you in front of our audience. So just wanted to shout that out. All right, guys, friend tech. That's the big story of the week. And um, it's a weird one to be completely honest. So how do I even explain what Frentech is? So Frentech is a new app built on top of Base. It's where it's getting a lot of its excitement from. And basically what it does is it creates shares, think like equity, for personalities on Twitter or X, I guess we have to call it now. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to call it X. And so basically if you have a Twitter account, you have some followers on there, you can, you need an invite code to get onto this, you get onto it. And basically automatically you have this, like these shares that people can buy. The more that people buy them, the more those shares become worth. And so people can buy and sell them. And every single purchase or sell, there's fees obviously associated with that. The creator 
the, the personality that has a Twitter account gets 50% of those. So it's a way to make money. Now, you don't access the treasury. So these shares are not accessible to you. I don't really know who accesses those. I guess it's the friend tech team, which is very odd and weird, but that's the way they set up. But you make 50% of all the fees that happen. So like you can make some decent coin from this. And then who knows what happens with the treasury in the future? We don't really know. Now, a couple of things from this. The weird thing is, so you buy these shares and basically what you get is a chat with the personality on Twitter. You can message that person. And then that person can message in that chat and it goes to all the shareholders. But if you as a shareholder message the, the Twitter personality, only they can see that. Others can't. But then they can respond and everyone sees the response. It's a little bit weird, but it is what it is. That's basically all this thing is. Now, people are starting to add sort of like more utility to these shares than just a chat. So whether that's like exclusive content, people are starting to connect in like Telegram groups and stuff like that, or like Discord groups. So like People are starting to add things to it. Still a little bit weird, but it is what it is. Here's my thoughts. So first of all, there's no wallet. So it's not a non-custodial wallet. You like create a wallet in Frentech. What that wallet is, we don't really know. And who controls that wallet? We have no idea. You could probably go look at the code. I've not done that. So if you're going to use this, only like deposit a small amount of ETH. Because like at any point, these guys could rug all the shares. They could rug all the ETH that's in all the wallets. Like it's a weird setup. And it's a little odd to me that a lot of big people are using this. Like a lot of big names are all over this. Maybe it's because they can make money from it. Even base though is like tweeting this out and highlighting it. Look, the app, when you download it, you have to download it as like a browser app. So you like save it to like a real app. It's a bit glitchy. There's not a lot of functionality to it. The only way to get in is you need an invite code from someone else. So like they're doing the whole exclusivity thing and, and hype around that. It's got hype cycle written all over it for me. The app is terrible. The experience is terrible. The utility is terrible. Yet everyone is talking about this. Why? I actually think because we're in a bit of a bear market. There's just not a lot else going on on chain right now. So like all the biggest like analysis firms are writing about it. Base is pumped about it because it's the one app that's really going big on top of base. It's weird situation going on right now. Again, I'm not against it. Like I think people should play around with it. I have it and like I'm not doing much on it, but like whatever. If you want to buy my shares, it's Kyle Reed had his my name on there. Uh, I think, <laughs> but like, I don't know why it's getting this much attention. Like, there's people saying this is the thing that's going to take Web3 mainstream. I'm just like, you know, fucking way. <laughs> what are you talking about? So it's weird. So just, I don't know, alarms are, are on for hype cycle, but play around with it. It's something to check out. There was an old one similar to this called BitClout, where same idea. If you were a personality on Twitter, you could create this account. It would create tokens for you. These were actual ERC20 tokens. This is not that. The problem was that you had the liquidity. And so a lot of the, the Twitter personalities would do one tweet, it access liquidity, and then they just rug it, right? So this, like, at least is an improvement where the, the personalities can't rug. So that's cool. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of other differences. Yeah, look, this is a fun game to me. Like, it's a game that launched at the right time. They timed base, right? which is huge. Base is a hype cycle right now. I don't want people to think that base is a hype cycle long term. I believe in base. I think it's going to be one of the biggest L2s in the space. But right now, they're in a moment where they're getting a lot of attention. And as Kyle said, people are fucking bored. It's the middle of August. There is literally nothing happening. I'm a big sports fan. There isn't even anything happening in sports right now. We're in like the 120th game of a 162-game baseball season. People are on vacation. There's just nothing happening. People are looking for something to do. And Frentech is, you know why I think it also, it's because it involves your friends, right? right? And it's fun to do shit with your friends. Like I bought 
shares of Kyle yesterday. I bought him at a nice local low. He he got up to 0.007 ETH. His shares were on the rise. Then he came down to 0.003. I bought in. I bought in. And I asked him to send me some nudes. He did not send me nudes, as I requested. So I sold. And, 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 and I sold. Two other people had bought in the meantime. So they, they bumped up the price a little higher. So I sold at 0.004. So I made a nice little profit. Jay's first time I think I've ever profited. <laughs> <laughs> as a trader and uh, yeah it feels good and here's the thing i got that feeling you know what i mean this is the danger of trading right like i yeah. got that feeling i was like oh shit so can't deny i i took a moment where i was like holy shit should i become a friend tech trader like oh, should, I, should i start trading here and i think that's what's happening to people people are getting in they're putting in 20 bucks they're playing a little game you know and it's addictive because you you get that dopamine rush, right? So. And look, there's nothing wrong with hype cycles. It's fine. Like people are going to make a bit of money here and it's good experiments. And like there are things from this that will get used in the big social app that does make it. Whether it's Frantech or not, like I have no idea. But it's not a terrible thing. The other reason why it's getting some hype is they're doing an airdrop, of course, on uh, I think it's Friday. So when this episode comes out, for some of the users, if you invite people, you get more whatever the airdrop is. I'm not quite sure. Be careful right now. There's tons of things saying airdrops on Twitter with fake tweets and fake links. So don't get fished on this one. We had someone post in our Discord asking if Frentech was actually a good thing or not. And the thing that they shared was a fake tweet from a fake account with a phishing link. And I was like, ah, don't click on that. Don't eat that. Just be careful. And the hype cycle alarms are on, but um, play around with it. It's fun. All right, next up, let's go over to Base and what's going on there with some NFTs. They're hitting, getting some traction right now. And the biggest one is Coca-Cola. So we talked about this last week in our newsletter, but it was pre-launch. So Base, as part of OnChain Summer, has a daily mint, and they partner with a lot of big brands. The biggest by far is Coca-Cola. And this isn't Coca-Cola's first entry into Web3. You guys might remember we talked about this. If you guys have been following us from the beginning, we talked about this over a year ago. Coca-Cola did some mints for charity. They did a mint around Pride. They did a mint around Friendship Day, where basically they had this low cost mint and all funds raised went to charity. Now Coca-Cola has partnered with Base and they're doing this collection of art where it's based around masterpiece art. So other very famous works of art have been considered and created in, it's like Robert Munch and Van Gogh, their famous paintings have been considered and remade with like a Coca-Cola bottle and it's an interactive 3D piece of art and there's ice cubes moving around. So there's eight different pieces and they've sold over $460,000 already on base. So considering we're in a serious NFT bear market, that's a lot of cash and a lot of money going in. As of right now, they're just pieces of art. There's been speculation wondering if Obviously, when any brand enters into Web3, because these are programmable, smart contracts is what you're selling, there is potential for more. Maybe it is just a piece of art and that's all it is forever. But perhaps this is the start of Coca-Cola starting a community. Maybe they give access to everybody to a community. Maybe they offer merch to all these people. Who knows what they can do in the future? But there might be more. Uh, look, I'm not telling you to go speculate on these. I don't know if there's going to be more, but there might be down the road. We'll see. But exciting to see such a major brand in the space with some really cool art and getting a lot of traction. Now, 
a lot of that traction is likely a result of base as well because base is pumping so much marketing dollars into on-chain server right now and they're just everywhere really because everybody's hyped up that there's something exciting happening in the space coinbase doing such a good job on their marketing here and actually last night they announced that every wallet that has transacted on base can get 60 days free in their coinbase one subscription on coinbase so smart these guys coinbase one is like a i think you don't have to pay like transaction fees and stuff when you're on coinbase you get a bunch of like benefits so it's their subscription service and you get 60 days free if you transact on chain so it's it's pretty cool to do and and that they're even able to do this to do like on-chain activities and then giving rewards from those activities into their like centralized app, mm-hmm. right? That's that's hot. It's very tough to do, but Coinbase has the infrastructure to do that because this is their chain and their app that are very connected. So the reason I think Coinbase or Base is going to be so successful is Coinbase can like obviously Coinbase has a lot of the users, but it also has the ability to then bridge those users so seamlessly, right, with their wallet and with Coinbase app. So I think we're going to see some incredible things. That they even um, we actually should have shown this tweet, but. A couple of days ago, Brian Armstrong tweeted out and he says, the one thing that we've learned from watching base is that the UX in Web3 is terrible. And he goes, we're going all hands on deck for the next, I think it was six or eight weeks. And he's like, we are going to fix all this in the next eight weeks. And so he's like, anyone who has any issues, whatever you see, any ideas, whatever, please let us know. Our team is going all in. So I expect we'll see that a lot of fixes are going to come. Jay and I have talked about this, like we as marketers and have built a lot of websites, we understand how user flow works and UX. And every time we work with anything in Web3, we're like, this is fucking terrible. Like, love the idea, love what you're offering, but the execution of this thing sucks. And there's just some easy little things you can do to fix this. And so thankfully, those who we are working with, we're doing a lot to help, you know, a lot of these apps that we do work with. Uh, We wish we could do it across the entire industry because like so many little things, you just like you spend one day fixing these things and like it just such a better the problem is builders are not average users so when a builder or a developer builds a tool they build it for themselves and the way they use it right it would be like if somebody were to build a car the engineer builds it for the engineer well 99 percent of us are not engineers and don't use a car that way we want to get into our car press one button car starts up and let's go right yeah, same right. thing here we want to get into web3 we want to click enter my email click buy with my credit card and go right so but that's not the way it's been built yet and a lot of these companies too i mean you're focused on making sure it just works which is a newer thing on chain right it's different and then you got to focus on security you got to focus on a lot of these different things and then because a lot of this is composable, there's just a lot of things that are out of your control too, right? Like every time you use one app, you're actually using a bunch of different brands throughout. Like you're probably using a wallet, then you're using an app that might be using you to swap underneath, that might be using this thing and that thing. And it's like, so there's a lot that goes with it. It's actually quite like complex, but still a lot of things we can do to improve. And um, hopefully people will start taking this seriously. And I think Coinbase will lead the way for us, which is exciting. Yeah, I got to bring up one more quick thing on that base here. So they've sold... As part of on-chain summer, over 310,000 NFTs have been minted so far. It's only like been just over a week. So getting serious numbers over on base. But one of the early ones that minted was a um, a DK Motion. I don't know if you know DK Motion. He's an artist who's got a lot of attention. He's a great like GIF artist in the space. His work is quite expensive. So people haven't been able to buy it. So we did an open edition for like 20 bucks minted over 70,000 of them, raised $1.4 million. So like, congrats to the artist. That's amazing to see. But this artwork was 
a like little guy running along and it was the Federal Reserve Bank. And then he jumped up on top of the Federal Reserve Bank and there's like an American flag. And then he mm-hmm. pins the, there was two pieces of art, one for Bitcoin and one for ETH. And he either pins the Ethereum flag or pins the Bitcoin flag next to the American flag. And I don't know how this happened, but after this artwork was gained a lot of steam and everyone was mentioning and talking about it, people were posting on Instagram and it got blocked on Instagram. Like any posts of this got blocked on Instagram. No, like was that meta? I don't, was that like some lobbyist who doesn't like Bitcoin and ETH? I don't know. So like that was really weird. And then there was all these email issues. I think you remember this, Kai, where all of a sudden last week, everybody's emails, if you mentioned crypto or Web3 or NFTs, were getting blocked. And yeah. so like that kind not of blocked. There's like a warning, like a, a warning, spam yeah. warning, not blocking, yeah. a spam warning. So there was something weird that, and that, it seems to have gone away. Like it's not yeah. happening anymore. Something weird happened in the background. It just feels like every time that we get a little bit of traction and people are excited, there's like that web two giant that's still trying to control us. And this is like why we need web three, everybody. Like we don't want these, you know, people controlling our lives and telling us what we can and can't talk about. Like decentralization, let's go. <laughs> decentralization, let's go. I need to get that okay. t-shirt actually. Ooh, we're going to make some merch, Kai. I'm, I'm not going to tease that too much right now, but it's coming. Okay. It's coming. All right. What's going on with Bitcoin ETFs, Kai? Yeah, I mean, at least there's something for us to like play around with and look forward to during these like kind of lulls of August, September. So first is good news. I mean, we talked, I think last week that we've had the approval of the first spot Bitcoin ETF in Europe. That's now live. So it's now live to be traded. That happened, I think, yesterday, which is super cool. So that's good news over in Europe. I think we have a spot Bitcoin ETF here in Canada. There's, I think, one in Brazil. So there's, I mean, it's 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 in different countries. We already have that. U.S. obviously is the big one. That's the one that we want. And if we go to the next the next one here, let's talk about what's happening. So first of all, there has been ARK's 21 shares Bitcoin ETF, which there was a decision was supposed to happen on Sunday. On Friday, the SEC came out and said that they were pushing it. They, were, they didn't approve it. They didn't deny it. They just delayed it. So moves like three months or 75 days, whatever it is. We said that that was probably going to happen. It was very likely. What we said was probably September 1st, September 2nd, or maybe it's the 3rd. I can't remember. When all the other ones need, that's when we, they might get an approval. There's been a bunch of noise on Twitter saying that the SEC has delayed all Bitcoin ETF approvals until 2024. A bunch of bigger accounts started retweeting this. But I was like, this looks weird. There's not like the main accounts are not doing it, but just some big ones. And I couldn't find anything anywhere actually saying this was true. So I still don't think that it's actually true. The big people who actually know it that are in the ETF space have not said this. We're still on the same timelines, the same percentages of their odds to, to get it approved. So I think it's actually not true. So if you've seen this on Twitter, I would not believe this. I don't know who spreads it. I don't know why people spread this. As far as I know, it's not true at the moment. So we'll see. But we have a few things that have happened. So one of the, the like sneaky potential ETF approvals that we have is Grayscale is currently suing the SEC because Grayscale has a fund, like a trust, right? They're, I forget what the, the symbol of it is, but basically they have a trust that usually you could convert your trust into an ETF, right? So that it's one-to-one and people actually own their, their well, sort of own the, the shares of it instead of it all being owned by one thing inside of a trust. And the SEC has co- consistently blocked them from doing that. And so Grayscale is like, there's no reason for you to block us. So they've been in court for a while. And there's a lot of people say like, this should actually, we should get the answer very soon. So just based off other court cases and timelines, they thought maybe Wednesday was going to be the answer nothing. So maybe Friday. 
there's no guarantee and the odds are still very small, but like potentially Friday we have it. What's interesting is this morning out of nowhere, Grayscale tweets out and they haven't done a lot of this stuff talking about ETFs because they're in court case. They just tweet out and say, our ETF team is hiring with the like sideways eyes and sideways eyes in crypto means something's happening. So of course, crypto Twitter goes crazy and people are like, whoa, is this bullish? Like, are we getting the approval that we've needed? Eric Balk, Kunis, who we have up on, on Twitter here, he's the ETF expert. This guy wrote a book on ETFs. He's the one that actually tweeted out saying like, this is interesting. What's going on here? So again, don't know, but interesting for Grayscale to tweet this. So let's see, this could be the thing that like really triggers it. So the other thing that's that's interesting, that's really good news for this whole situation is that Coinbase just two days ago announced that they have been uh, approved to be federally regulated to basically sell crypto futures to US customers. So one of the reasons that this is really important is Coinbase is the custodian for basically all of these Bitcoin ETFs, right? So there's BlackRock, blah, 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 blah. They're the ones filing, but Coinbase is the one that actually has to hold the assets. One of the concerns is Coinbase is technically not regulated in the US because there just isn't much regulation in the US. But one of the things that they could get regulated for was this. And so now they have that approval. They are a regulated organization in the US. And Brian Armstrong tweeted out yesterday, he goes, we're now approved for regulation. He goes, anywhere that there is the ability for us to come in and get regulated, we do it. Basically shouting out to Gary Gensler, who always says, come in and get you know approvals that you can't for half the things. So this is really good news. I mean, one, just Coinbase and other product for them to sell, but two, it just improves the legitimacy of Coinbase, who's going to be the custodian for all of these big ETFs. So I think increases the percentage of approval. Again, nothing's for sure. We don't know if it happens in September. We don't know when it happens, but this is just helping the cause. And then to continue on with that, there is the Ether Futures ETF, which we've talked about a few times, which the date for that is October. What's good here is that we've had, back in 2021, there were multiple times that big companies filed for an Ethers ETF, okay, Futures ETF. And the SEC forced them to withdraw it within like five to six days every single time. And this is the first time that we are now past those days. We're on day, I don't know what it is now, 13. I think now like it's probably like 18 or something since this tweet went out. And the SEC has not asked them to withdraw. We also have, as we just saw, Coinbase getting regulated for this stuff, which they are the custodians here. So this is again, Eric Balkanis. He's saying very high chance that this gets approved at its date in mid-October. That would be massive for ETH if this happens. So anyway, just keeping you on the, on the forefront of what's happening here. Still don't know, but these are the things that we, uh, we're looking forward to and we hope get passed soon enough. It gets, it's tough to predict the timing of this stuff. And there's obviously speculation on both sides. You know, you've got people saying that they won't be approved until 2024. One thing is for certain though, everybody, these are getting approved, mm -hmm. right? It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And so all of this is going to be positive. It's going to bring more money and more liquidity into the crypto space. It's going to allow more investors who would have never trusted crypto to start to put a percentage of their portfolio into crypto. So it's coming and it's going to be great. It's just, you don't know when, so don't try to predict when. Like we will yeah. keep you guys up to date. We'll let you know when, but don't be sitting there being like, oh, I know it's going to be October. So I'm going to do my big buy in September. Like don't do that. Dollar cost average, keep it simple and then allow the news to be the news because there's going to be up and downs along the way. But long-term we're going to the moon. 
to, to use and the crypto scene. That's great advice from a successful, profitable trader in Jay Hamilton who profited <laughs> off of Kyle shares just this morning. This guy's making money in the bear market. Can you believe That's that? right. That's right. Okay, let's go to next. Ledger and PayPal. Love to see two brands, a big Web2 fintech brand and a big Web3 brand partnering. Kai, what's this partnership all about? What's happening? Yeah, so Ledger Live, which is the app associated with Ledger, the hardware wallet. Ledger Live is like what allows you to do your trading and all that kind of stuff and uh, online. And they have now partnered with PayPal. And so what's really cool here is through the Ledger Live app, you can purchase ETH, Bitcoin, for whatever reason, Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin. I don't know why I still include those. And you can purchase it through your Ledger Live app, get it through PayPal, and then it comes right onto your Ledger and you can custody it on your hardware wallet. So really, really cool to use the, I mean, the trusted source of PayPal. This makes it very, very easy. If anyone has Ledger Live, they already have a PayPal account. They can immediately just access that. So it makes the onboarding of bringing fiat money into crypto completely seamless inside of Ledger. And what's great about that is like, you can already do that just with your PayPal account, but you don't custody it. And so now if you buy a Ledger Live, which I also saw is available at Best Buy, I believe. So you can go to your Best Buy, you can buy a Ledger, and then you can connect that Ledger into PayPal and get your fiat money that's in PayPal right onto your ledger and self-custody it. That's really freaking cool. That was not possible in the last cycle. And so the, the thing that I just love about these partnerships isn't that big of a deal. I mean, you could already connect PayPal through MetaMask and stuff, but just the ease of this stuff that continues to, to be built out for this coming cycle. It's like when people come in this time, there's just so much more for people to do and it's just so much easier. It's not perfect. We just talked about that a couple minutes ago, but there's just so many more things and it's just so much more accessible. Uh, and especially if we get these ETFs too, then the money just continues to be able to flow in so much more frictionlessly, which is just so key. Not many people would get excited about this except for us, right? Yeah. Like it's easy to sit back and be like, well, like, great. Like it's a partnership. Let's let's see where it goes. But it's exciting because a lot of people don't know how to get their money into crypto and they're not going to take the time to figure it out, quite frankly. Like I remember we were listening to this. Yeah, exactly. You were listening to this podcast. You're early. You're before everybody else. And everybody else that's going to come in, they're not going to take the time to figure it out. So if we make it easier, which brands like PayPal see the opportunity and they're like, hey, we know a lot of money's been flowing into crypto. That's why we're building a stable coin. That's why we're going to make partnerships so that brands like Ledger, which we believe are going to control a lot of the assets in the future, can integrate PayPal, well, they're going to go in that direction and it's only going to bring more money into the space. I saw the other day, PayPal stock is actually down real bad. I don't know why, but I don't know what they're doing, but it's a tough go for PayPal. They're still huge. Is that a signaling? Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, buy Coinbase if you're going to buy equities. <laughs> yeah, buy, buy the Web3 fintech, not the Web2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, next up, Immutable has launched Immutable ZK EVM testnet is now live. And this is a big deal for gaming. We actually just launched a launch wrong word. We released a layer two pro report today where we go into the top layer twos and what they're doing. We talk about optimism, talk about Arbitrum, we talked about Polygon, and we talk about Immutable. And the interesting thing about Immutable is it's the one that is really targeted the gaming sector. They picked one industry and they're like, we want to be big in that industry. And why is this a big deal? This immutable ZK EVM is the first chain that basically gives you the power of a ZK EVM. So it's a 
Ethereum composable chain with ZK proof tech. There's just not a lot of ZK proof tech chains out there yet that also combines all of the products, the ecosystem within Immutable, which gives you just a way easier developer experience. Look, it's really hard to build a game. We know this. That's why we haven't really seen any big blockchain games yet. But these types of backend tools are what make it much easier for game developers to come in and build a game quicker and simpler because they don't have to worry about all the blockchain stuff that's easy for them. All they have to worry about is the game stuff, which holy shit, like designing a game is very difficult. The game mechanics, making it interesting, making it exciting, the graphics, all of that. So shout out to Immutable for making it easier for that to happen. Kai, we got some interesting stats on Well, before we keep on this, I want to I look at this um, the tech stack here. So we just talked about the UX previously, and we're saying that it's tough to create a good UX because oftentimes you have to like connect in with a different brand's wallet and a different bridge and a different this and that. And so like, it's very composable, and so you got to rely on other people's UX. What Immutable has built out for ga- the gaming ecosystem is unbelievable. They've got, so Immutable X, which we always talk about. Now they have the Immutable, Immutable ZK EVM, okay? Those are your two layer twos powered by Ethereum. But what they've also built to go with both of those is Passport, which is a wallet, order book, which you could think of somewhat similar to like a Uniswap, NFT trading, so your OpenSea, APIs, the minting, the checkout process, the SDKs, the bridges, all of these things are all built by Immutable, which means you don't have to rely on other companies and other teams to make the UX good. They have the same team building all of this. And so the, the experience on Immutable is unlike anything you've seen in any other Web3. It's way better than everything else out there. Now, if you're not a gamer, you haven't used any of this, none of this stuff really matters to you. You're still playing around on Optimism and Arbitrum and Base and whatever. Those are trash compared to what Immutable has built out for gamers. And so, look, we always say the game is going to be big and we'll show you some stats here. You might as well go to those now and I can I can talk about those. So first of all, Immutable announced yesterday they've hit 1.7 million active gaming wallets on Immutable. So that's a pretty big deal. It's not a big number by any means, but it's growing. So we'd like to see that. The other thing that's more important for me anyway is looking at the potential for growth. And what we see here is that the number of developers building on Immutable, now this doesn't mean that they're building like, like these are team members of Immutable. This means they're building Web3 games and, inter- and connecting those games into Immutable. So they're building a game and they just happen to use Immutable to power the blockchain aspect of it. And that's reached over 10,000 developers now. So this means there's a lot of games coming. Now, we always say Web3 is going to be, or games is going to be the big thing that drives Web3 adoption. You've got to remember that building a DeFi app is, I want to say easy, but not necessarily easy, but easier than building a game. Why? Because all you have to do is build an app that just works, right? It just has to work on chain. You don't need a nice front end. Like if you've seen Uniswap and Curve and all these, they're terrible apps, but they work. You can get your loan, you can swap your tokens, which is all that matters for a DeFi app, okay? A game, that's not the case. They have to build the working portion on on chain as well, just like any DeFi app does. But then they also got to go build a fucking game. And that is extremely hard to do. It takes years. And so the reason why the gaming world is sort of lagging in terms of adoption is just because it takes a while to build these games. They've got the infrastructure now and immutable. Thankfully, they've been building for years. And so they have to worry less about that. They just don't worry about games. But those take years. So there's over 250 games now that have committed to launching on immutable. And those are launching month every month. Now, not all of them are AAA, like amazing games, but many of them are coming. And so we're already seeing that adoption. It's small. 1.7 is tiny, but I think that goes exponential over the next few years. 
I got a question for you, Kay. Between these three, which is going to onboard the most? Not this year. I'm not going to put a timeline on this. Long, like no timeline. Eventually. Okay. Long term. Reddit community points, community tokens, that concept. You could even extend that beyond Reddit if you wanted and just say community tokens as a whole. Starbucks loyalty, which again, you can extend beyond Starbucks and just say loyalty as a whole or gaming. You could put music in there too, but I just don't think music's going to come close to it. Unfortunately, I think music's going to be big on chain, but not. In the next year, Reddit, community points. In the next five years, gaming. I think rewards will do a bunch too, but I don't think it beats gaming. And I mean, Reddit's got what a billion users on it, something like that. It's like Reddit's pretty damn big. And like, I don't think Starbucks is anywhere remotely close to that. And then that's the biggest of all of them. So I've got to say Reddit community points first, and then gaming is, is the big one overall. What do you think? I like it. I would tend to agree. I think that uh, gaming long term for sure. It's, gonna be the it's just people don't understand yet what it'll be like to play a game and get a financial reward for playing that game. And then to be able to go into an open market and sell that skin that you won. Like that is a incredible fun experience or then be able to take that asset into another game. There's just so much that blockchain will impact in gaming that we haven't seen yet that is going to be so big. I think community points are going to be huge, absolutely huge. I just wonder how quickly it'll roll out because I don't necessarily know that people understand it and will be able to use it. Uh, gaming's pretty straightforward. It's going to make sense thing. pretty easily. Once the tech yeah. is good enough and the games are launched, it's going to be pretty easy for that to go. Loyalty, yeah, I also think will be huge. I, the only reason I think loyalty will be slow is because loyalty's not really broken. People are using loyalty. They like their rewards as it is. It's, it's also not... Uh, I don't know that people have the incentive to switch loyalty programs enough. You know what I mean? Like it's not the onboarding ramp. It's like you're yeah. already in ramp, you know, like you're in and then you want to do more, you go to loyalty. Yeah, okay. I would agree. We got next up here, we got McDonald's. We talked about McDonald's a few weeks ago. They continue to ship in the space. So McDonald's Singapore is launching a Grimace digital collectible on Polygon. Kai, I don't know if you know who Grimace is. He's there like uh purple monster guy who is absolutely adorable little purple monster man and they have a 2000 supply digital collectible of grimace now why is this interesting couple reasons first unlike starbucks and nike who launched in the u.s first mcdonald's plan has been to launch outside of the u.s they did a activation sandbox through mcdonald's hong kong and now this collection through mcdonald's Singapore. So they're going around where there's the worry around regulation. They're going to others. What's cool about this launch is this will be minted directly in the McDonald's app. That is huge because we talked about the UX of Web3 is very challenging. It's a nightmare. Well, if you mint this directly in an app that McDonald's has built, they can control the minting experience. So you can mint with your credit card now it's free. So, and I'm guessing McDonald's is co- covering the gas. So there's actually no cost to mint and it's already connected to your account. So McDonald's doesn't have to worry about trying to figure out who is in our community and token gating access with bots to some discord or whatever they're going to do. It's already in the accounts. They already have your wallet address. They already have abilities to do more with you becoming a community member. And basically what they're saying is that you'll get 
access to future perks. They haven't even said what the perks are, but you'll get access to future perks. The other thing that's interesting about this is it's non-transferable. And I just love that as the playbook for any brand entering the space is if you make your NFT non-transferable, you completely remove speculation from the get-go, which probably helps you with regulators. So you do it for free and it's non-transferable. I don't think a regulator could ever say anything about that. So you're saving yourself there. But also it removes all speculation. So you know that your community members are the right community members. You're not getting any degen aping in. They're going to be yelling at you about floor price and all the wrong reasons. Anybody who's in here, they're here because they love you and they love your brand and they want to be here. So I think a great playbook that McDonald's is showing us all for how to enter Web3. McDonald's, who would have thought they'd been the one showing us the playbook, huh? I mean, I guess they've, they've always been very innovative and on the forefront of things as much as I hate McDonald's, but... You hate McDonald's. I love McDonald's. I'm a big fan. You why you hate as like unhealthy? Poisoning kids since 1960-something, whatever. It's terrible. I don't really... I had a really interesting chat with a, a good friend of mine the other day who worked on um, McDonald's AI. And he was telling me all about how they are rolling out AI in their drive-thru. They haven't rolled it out yet, but that's their plan is to basically replace staff with AI. And he was saying that currently the testing on the AI had a 60% pass rate. So 40% of orders were still messed up for some reason. Whereas a human, they're also not perfect. A human messes up 17% of orders. And for everyone out there who's worried about AI being smarter than humans, it's still not there yet. Kind of the though. thing that was interesting was the failure, the reason that AI fails so much is because of accents. Because it's so difficult for an AI to understand all the different accents, to understand mumbling. It's not quite capable yet of doing that, but humans also aren't capable because they mess up 17 well, times. Self-driving cars is also, I think, legal in San Francisco. So there's a lot of them now. Like, I think you can get your Uber as a self-driving car. So there's no driver in it. Yeah, from what I've been told. And it's not perfect. Like they obviously still get accents, but I think, I mean, so do humans, right? Humans are terrible and we have fatigue. We get tired, we're drunk or whatever. AI doesn't have that. So I think in the coming, like pretty soon, we're going to be all self-driving cars because they're just going to be so much better than humans driving. So much. Well, I, I saw Eric Schmidt, who's a chairman of Google, uh, speak. This is like 10 years ago, a, a while ago. And he talked about how self-driving cars were possible now. He was yeah. like, we oh, could yeah. do it now. We have the tech. It's safe. It has the ability. And it would solve a massive problem, which is car accidents, right? Like car accidents, massive. there's thousands of deaths because of car accidents every year, injuries. Really? It's just, it, yeah, awful. But the reason that it's not rolled out is because there's just fear around self-driving cars and also it just takes a long time to like get the, you know, which is crazy like you ever seen people right? drive in a city like that's where your fear should be not around yeah. robots driving like people are dumb as hell when it comes to driving. but wait would you get in a self out of respect my girlfriend asked me yeah this, and i said absolutely i would yeah wow i want to support that uh, so much i'd get in but i'd be on edge i'd be watching the whole time i'd be looking for like the emergency break just in case like can i control this if i need to well, I just want to help like move the innovation forward. They need people to go in there and use it, right? So I'm down. All right. Tool of the month. So we're on to next. Tool of the month. It's time for the showdown of tool of the month. We got a great showdown of four great tools. Symbol, Paragraph, Butterfly, and XMTP. And the winner is, drumroll, Paragraph. We were planning that. We talked about them earlier in the show. So 
Paragraph, congrats. You are the Web3 tool of the month. And for good reason, Paragraph is a Web3 native publishing platform. So think about Substack is Web2, Paragraph is Web3. Basically, Paragraph allows creators to leverage Web3 by creating, distributing, and monetizing their content with NFTs. So if you look at our newsletter, which is on Paragraph, each newsletter, you can collect that newsletter. And why would you collect that newsletter? Well, collecting is a fun. It's free to collect the newsletter. Although if we wanted, we could charge a price to collect a newsletter. We could also limit the supply if we wanted. If we had a big announcement or something fun, you see a lot of brands doing this, using NFTs as a way to celebrate a launch or celebrate an announcement. It's been so popular over on Zora, which we've done as well. But also what is really cool with Paragraph, and this is the feature that I think I'm most excited about, is you can collect a quote. So let's say somebody wrote something that had something in it that really inspired you. Well, you could highlight that piece of the article and you could turn that into an NFT and now you're collecting that quote. And with that quote, you could then take that and post it somewhere else and show it off and you'd be giving the creator some sort of recognition because by collecting it on chain, is connected back to the creator. The creator could get royalties for that. And we can reward you. They could reward you. And so we talk a lot about artists going on chain. I think this concept also applies to music really well, where you could take a song and remix a portion of that song. And if that was done on chain, then you could ensure that the original artist, there's provenance, the original artist is given credit, that they're given royalties, and then they could reward you for remixing them. So so much exciting stuff that could happen in that space. But Paragraph, if you have a newsletter, you should be looking at Paragraph to move over there. Or if you're a reader of anything Web3, you should go check out Paragraph because it's a really fun place to subscribe to newsletters and to read newsletters because you can do stuff on chain, which we all know is just better than online. And the reason we like Paragraph is because Paragraph is building, they get looks and feels like Web2, but they have the Web3 features to amplify the newsletter. So it looks like Substack, it feels like Substack, except you happen to be able to collect, but you don't have to. You still can sign up, you sign up the newsletter with an email like normal, which is what you need because that's how you communicate to people if you have a newsletter. So Mirror, which allowed you to only sign up with a wallet, which you couldn't do anything with that wallet, that was a bad idea. They made a mistake. Paragraph instead said, hey, we're gonna make this a normal Substack with newsletter, but you can also connect your wallet when you give your email. And now not only can you collect, but we can also send, because they also integrate XMTP, the other tool in here, we can send the newsletter to your email. We can also now send it to your wallet via XMTP. So if you're a subscriber to Web3 Academy and you use Lens or you have a Coinbase wallet, then automatically every time we put out a newsletter, it goes to your wallet as well. You can look at your DMs of your wallet and you'll see our newsletter in there too, which is just super cool. And again, not possible in Web2. So really, really cool. And just kudos to Fairgraph. It's a small team but they're building amazing stuff. We're working with them now to build up more features. We know newsletters in and out because that's what we do with Impact3. So we're excited to help Paragraph kind of grow and, and become something even bigger than it is today. And let's be clear, they're a sponsor of the show, full disclosure, but that's not why we're talking. Right. That's not why they won. The community voted. This isn't our choice. They won because they deserve to win. And all these things that we're talking about them, it's because we believe in them and we really do love the product as with any sponsors of the show. So yeah, I just want to make sure that's clear that we're not touting them only because they, they're a sponsor. 
Absolutely. All right, let's get into some quick hits, Jay. What do you say? Let's do it. Quick hit, Mikai. All right, first one, Coindesk to lay off 45% of editorial staff amid restructuring. Yeah, so Coindesk laying off 45%. The first thing I just want to point out is sounds like a huge number. This is only 20 people. So, you know, it's a small team. It's not got got a lot of news and attention because everyone's like, oh my gosh, another layoff. Well, we're still in a bear market, so layoffs make sense. But if you pull back the layers here and take a look, there's some interesting things that make sense of why this is happening. So Coindesk was bought by digital currency group DCG back in 2016, I believe it was bought for $500,000 in 2016. And DCG recently, they're a subsidiary of Genesis Capital. And they recently filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy in January, listing liabilities ranging from one to $11 billion. So Basically, what this shows is you've got a parent company that is struggling. They needed some help. And so they are cost cutting on their companies across the board. And Coindesk is one of those companies. So Coindesk is unfortunately having to get cut out. There's also speculation that DCG is aiming to sell Coindesk. And when you're trying to sell a company, you try to make the numbers look better. And one of the easiest ways to make the numbers look better is to cut costs and then your profit goes up. Makes sense. All right. Next up. Oh gosh, Kai, I don't even want to say this one. Meme coin, meme coin based decks, rocket swap hit by a $800,000 exploit. Yeah. So usually we don't like to cover exploits all that much, but this one's just actually very interesting. So this is the DEX on base. So obviously it's very new. Of course, probably was not fully audited like we always talk about because people are rushing to get involved in the hype cycle. Super annoying about this space. We talk about this actually next week with our guest who's from Quantstamp and is a security expert for this stuff. Anyway, this is a DEX mainly for meme coins, which is another terrible idea. And why you would ever use this just makes no sense. Of course, someone exploits it within days of it being live. They steal $860,000 worth. They move it into ETH. Here's the funny part. Then what they did is they created another meme coin called Love Rocket. They put that on the same exchange and the price tripled in 24 hours and then they rugged it. What the fuck is wrong with this industry, guys? Like, why would you buy that coin? Of course, they're going to rug you. Like, what did it, was it two weeks ago when we told you about someone who said they were going to rug you, people bought it anyway, and then they rugged them. And it's like, what? The bald token. Um, bald token, that's it, which was also in base. I don't know why I keep getting shocked in this stuff, but guys, just get off this hype cycle stuff. Stop buying this junk. And I don't know, this industry, I love it in parts of it. And then just so much of it just makes me cringe so much. This is the one time where I'm like, actually, I would love to see regulation because we have so many, what's the word? I want to say stupid investors. I was looking for a nicer word than stupid, like uneducated uh, investors. So many people who are just like playing with their money and then losing it all. And But I don't think you need regulation that. Like, look, people can do whatever they want, right? You can go on and you can yes. on anything you want in Vegas. So and there's no but regulation. Bitcoin there. wouldn't do well if, <laughs> if that was the case. Because it would never become a stock. But I don't think, you, I mean, these are all on decentralized protocol. It's not like it's on Coinbase yeah. and you're getting rugged by a company that like, like this is just, it's a permissionless thing. People chose to put their money in there. So like, I don't think that should be regulated. I just think people should stop being stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
<laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. People won't stop being stupid. You need to help them out. Anyway. By the way, if you're listening to this and you happen to buy Love Rocket, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I called you stupid too. But <laughs> you are stupid. Don't buy a fucking meme coin. I think this is the end of the episode. And maybe there's not as many people to see at this point. All right. I'll go next. Jay, you're getting married next year. Do you mind if I get you a wedding gift of steak to eat? Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. Okay. This is hilarious. So this is a new uh, Web3 concept for weddings. It's called a staking registry. So here's how it works. Friends and family can stake their ETH as a wedding gift, right? And as long as the couple stays married, then we get to keep the reward. So Kyle has his ETH and he says, hey, I want to give my wedding gift to this couple is going to be the staked, the rewards from staking this ETH, okay? And then we get those rewards as long as we stay married. Now, if we get divorced, <laughs> then the ETH and the rewards get distributed back to the friends and family. So, oh God, hilarious! That's a terrible idea. This is not real, by the way. I know. Yeah. A, uh, this is just a concept that um, Zero X Designer, who's a great Twitter follower, if you don't yeah. follow him, check him out. Agreed. Really good. Yeah. And, he just created this concept, which I, I think is just absolutely hilarious. Although I think punishing somebody for getting divorced by taking their wedding gift back is pretty sad. Well, I was thinking of the other way, more like incentivizing an unhappy happy couple to stay together because they're making thousands of dollars on ETH. Like, I don't like that either. Right, exactly. So this they, is stuff to work on any side of the story. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last story. Bitcoin's volatility hits a record low amid summer trading. Yeah, not surprised here. I mean, I think the the trend, if you go to like all time, is down, right? Like obviously Bitcoin back in 2011 was way more volatile than it is now, which is hard to think of because Bitcoin's quite volatile still. But as the asset matures, as it grows and gets bigger, ultimately it will become less volatile. It's still extremely volatile compared to other assets. But, you know, we're in our fourth cycle of Bitcoin. We're also in the August, September lulls, which we just talked about at the beginning of the episode. And so each low, so each August, September is probably going to reach a low in volatility every single time, in my estimation. Four years from now, this is during cycles, right? So four years from now, August, September, I would bet that we put in a new low on this. And I think that just continues to happen because each cycle, Bitcoin becomes a little bit less volatile. And we just happen to be in the lowest volatility part of this current cycle. So it makes complete sense, but just more numbers to showcase where we're at in the cycle. But low volatility, what does that lead to afterwards? Some crazy volatility is coming up. When is that going to happen? My guess is October, but who knows? Well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening in, everybody. Couple final announcements to remind you of. Go grab the investment course if you're looking to deploy capital or you're trying to learn how to invest in crypto, NFTs, blockchain apps, the whole space. We got an amazing course that's available right now. Link is in the show notes. If you want to support us for free and have some fun, Mint, collect our articles on Paragraph. We might have something coming up that involves that. So you might want to get involved now. A little bit of alpha. You might want to check it out. Things are happening. We also, coming up soon, have the relaunch of our Rabbit Hole course, which is an awesome course that you can take or you can share with your friends if they don't know how to, if they're not sure how to navigate crypto and Web3. 
Lots of exciting stuff continuing to happen over here at Web3 Academy. We love you guys. Have a wicked awesome weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.